Hello, and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. Today, we're joined by Catherine Kendall, Chief People Officer at Benefex. Catherine is doing incredible work in the HR people, employee wellbeing and engagement space. And I'm sure there is so much that we're going to be able to take away, myself included. So with no further ado, I'd love to welcome Catherine to this podcast. Enjoy. So welcome, Catherine. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Harry. Thank you very much for having me. Not at all, not at all. It's, it's our pleasure and our, our listeners' pleasure as well as much as anything. So today we're going to cover everything workplace health, well-being, people, engagement, all of the stuff that, that you love within your role. I guess for the listeners, it would be great to just get a brief introduction to yourself, the work that you do as uh, Chief People Officer at Benefex, um, and then also we'll then go into um, what really drives you behind well-being. Yeah, 100%. So you're absolutely right. Chief People Officer at Benefex. Incredibly, I've been here for nearly seven years. I don't know how that's happened. Um, And responsibility for for all things people really change, transformation, growth. We're a fast growth organisation. So there's a load of exciting people challenges that, that come with that. So a bit of everything and anything, really. Fantastic. I'm going to go straight into a tricky question. In a high growth organisation where you're a limited company, you're, you are there to make profit, but you're also there to really serve a real purpose to your members. How do you couple a culture of well-being? And I've not seen an organization like Benefex nail it as well as you have. How do you get that culture of well-being and inclusivity while still maximizing the shareholding of um, of, of the, sh- the shareholders? It's a great question, Harry. And I, and I think, to be honest, the one thing I've learned over the years that I've done this job is by looking after your people, by very simply doing the right thing. It's not it's not like a, a nice to have. It's not an optional extra you invest in your people and that's what drives your people to perform because ultimately if, if, if I as an employer am well looked after, I feel that sense of loyalty to my organisation, I engage with what the business is trying to do, I want to be part of that success. I've seen it time and time again. If you look at all of the best performing organisations out there, they are those businesses that care for, invest in and take time for their people. It's so, so important and I think the pandemic's really brought that home to businesses as well, that actually those organisations that had looked after their people saw that repaid and the loyalty, the hard work, people going above and beyond, even when they were trying to homeschool at the same time or care. Whereas those organisations actually where perhaps they did the minimum for their people, a lot of those people have voted with their feet. We've seen a lot of attrition in certain industries and that is as a direct result of not looking out for your people. And what's the most important thing when it comes to, you say, looking out for your people? Um, I know Gethin, one of your colleagues, the, the head of wellbeing and or director of wellbeing at Benefex, talks about listening to people. I guess that's going to be something that you're really big on as well, Catherine. Massively. And I think what's really important and a mistake that I've seen lots of organisations make of these is there isn't a one size fits all with people. And, and that's really frustrating, right? Because actually the quickest and simplest solution would be to say, right, for, for everybody who works for Benefex, the most important thing to you is X, so we're going to put in this policy to deliver it. But the fact is, what matters to me might be different than to what matters to you, what matters to Gethin, what matters to Matt, what matters to anybody else. So you have to listen to your people to understand what they need. And then you really target those interventions so that you get maximum return and also so that your people actually feel that they're being heard. And so when it comes to the data, I guess data is going to be really important when listening. You can't go around 500 people and run interviews <laughs> with them and so on. Um, we've only got so many hours in the day and we need to take care of our own well-being 
as well. So in terms of that data piece, you collect the data and then you act upon it. That, that's the way that you go about it. Does that, is that the best way that you've found? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one of the tools that we've introduced that we found really powerful is we use PCON as an employee engagement assessment tool. So we effectively, on a monthly basis, we sense check with our people in terms of what are we getting right? What do you need? And that's a really valuable tool because it's completely anonymous. So it enables people to feedback very, very honestly. And then actually what you can do is you can kind of unpick, you can go in on a team by team level. I can also correspond with individuals on there. So even though they're anonymous, we can still follow up and have discussions on their behalf. So I think it is that continuous cycle of listening and using the data to support those learnings so that you can actually feedback again with those right interventions to make the maximum difference. And I guess when measuring those interventions, it's off the back of the data again. So data is absolutely paramount within here. I, one of the big questions I always like to ask, sharing best practice is always great, but sometimes mistakes happen. We're human. Um, and when we plan our interventions, sometimes they don't quite go to plan. So are there any interventions that you've thought this is going to work really well within our organization that hasn't quite worked out? And I'd just be really keen on hearing why, why, as to why that is. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's probably multiple examples I can give, but I think, you know, if I were to group those together, I think it's where we've done that one size fits all approach. So, so a really, a really good example would be probably with with working patterns. And actually, this is something that's, that's kind of a real top focus as we go into this post-pandemic hybrid way of working. I think there's definitely been times where kind of we've assumed that actually a particular working pattern or style of working works for, for, for one team. So we should be able to extrapolate that to other teams. But every team has their own individuals in there. They have their own individual ways of working. So I think for me, the biggest learnings have been don't try and necessarily take something that's working well in one part of your organisation and think you can automatically copy and paste it across to somewhere else. You can have a totally different set of needs and requirements. And I think that's true for HR professionals more generally, right? Don't expect to just go into another organisation and rinse and repeat what you've done previously. Again, it's back to that listening, isn't it? You've got to listen. You've got to listen and each time take those learnings and, and apply those to what you're doing as a result. And how important is it? I talk to organizations regularly that talk about disengagement and driving engagement, especially within a remote world that we've had and we may continue to have within certain organizations. How do we really get across to, to employees that we do care um, and really translating um, all of the data into action for them? Well, you've 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 hit the nail on the head there, Harry, because it's it's action. That's that's what's absolutely all all the great words and 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 you know sort of sentiment around it are are ultimately meaningless. You know, you can have pages and pages on an employer's website that says how much the well-being of organ of their employees matter, and then if you go into that organisation and you realise that you've got people working I don't know fifteen hour days with no time to do the things that are important to them or take time for themselves, you've got a real problem on your hands. So I think it ultimately it is action. And it is then that playback from those people. Again, you can take what you believe is great action, fantastic impact, but back to the data, unless you measure that impact, and that comes from talking to those people and seeing the impact, it becomes becomes meaningless. And as a profession, we have to get much, much better using the data we've got to measure those interventions. I think that's absolutely key. Yeah, and that way we can see very quickly what's working, what's not. We can iterate, we can start to really make, make those learnings. And as you say, it's all individual, all 7 billion people um, from the last time I counted in the world. We're all individual as well within there. And it's the same within our organizations. I'd be really keen on you sharing any really simple initiatives that you've put in place. And one of the things we discussed was the traffic light system that, that you're looking at at the moment. Um, yep. Could you just share with our listeners, obviously, you're planning the return to work uh, or return to the office, I should say. 
um, within there. And the traffic light system you mentioned before the call, I'd be really keen on you sharing that with with our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, you know, there's and there's a few examples of this out there, but but going back into to an office and we at Benefex have been working 100% remotely for more than 15 months now, one of the things I think is really key is everybody has a very different approach and attitude to risk, partly based on your personal circumstances, your own health, the family you live with, whether you have vulnerable people at home. So there may be some of us, you know, I'm a self-confessed huge extrovert. I cannot wait to get back to the office and, and hug those people who, who would like to be hugged. But equally, I fully respect that there'll be other people who are very nervous about going into the office, definitely still want to be socially distancing from people. So really simple example, and I've seen a, a number of different iterations of it, but it's the red, amber, green. So red is, you know, I'm, I'm here, but, but please keep your distance. I need to get comfortable with this. Amber is come over, come and say hi, but but please no no hugs, no handshakes, and, and a green is fantastic. Come and give me a, a, a massive hug, and, and that's amazing. And and that will change, right? You know, you'll have some people come come in as a red, and they'll, and they'll shift to green, and you'll have some people who will come in as a red and stay as a red, and and those things are fine. I think it's it's just showing that real respect for the fact that you know the the, the analogy that went around right through the pandemic was you know that that whole one of same storm, different boats. People are still in those different boats, and and I think the whole employee experience to be effective has got to acknowledge that, you know, your people are as individual, um, you know, as, as they could possibly be. And therefore you can't have this one size fits all and the best organizations celebrate those differences and actually make it something to, be, to feel really proud of rather than trying to group their people together in one large, you know, sort of self-contained resource. It just doesn't work. And it's an issue when we put people into groups as well and assume that those groups and those individuals are the same within those groups. It's just not the case at all. I, I find it fascinating um, talk, talking through this topic. Are there any other initiatives that you've put in place previously, again, that may be low cost or really easy to do, that you've found a really big impact from what employees have said and even the data? Um, has, has the data proved anything? I think the singest biggest thing we've we've done, and, and we did it years ago, and it's one of those things that it, it was always great for us, but I don't think we realised how great until we went into this pandemic, was we regularly do updates, all company updates. They used to be monthly. During the pandemic, we moved them to weekly. And at the end of the update, we would ask the entire business, has anybody got any questions? And as always, when you have a room of more than about six people, nobody said anything. So what we did was we changed our format for employees to submit questions. We moved it to an anonymous survey monkey type form where anybody can ask anything completely anonymously. And all of a sudden, it's not that they weren't asking the questions before, but they were asking the questions down the pub with their mates on a Friday night, as opposed to asking them to the people who needed to hear it. Now, some of those questions and some of those challenges are really hard to hear as an organisation, but we have become so much stronger, I believe, as an organisation as a result of hearing that direct feedback and being able to act on it, being able to respond. And it's, you know, it's hard, you know, the questions we don't, we don't tend to get, you know, questions and feedback going, hey, you guys, everything's amazing, doing a fantastic job. And actually, if we did, that wouldn't be massively helpful because it doesn't help us to improve. So I think probably the single thing we did that most has defined our culture has given people a platform to ask us anything. And believe me, they do ask us anything, whether it's the, the kind of the big high level, you know, future of the business conversations or my, my favourite is always, why haven't we got enough teaspoons in the kitchen? So I can't wait to get back to the office. And once again, to, to be faced with, with not enough teaspoons in the office, it will be a sure sign we're, we're coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, it needs to, it needs to take action on the teaspoons, that, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but no, again, when I spoke to Gethin, he was mentioning that, um, yeah, nothing engages your team like asking them what they want, but nothing disengages them more but then by not acting upon it and again that's just a really simple thing by making it anonymized making people feel comfortable 
to come forwards. And lo and behold, that makes a huge difference. Um, and, and we've done similar things at Champion as well. One of the really interesting things I've found is I've, I've developed a really strong friendship with Matt, the CEO at, at Benefex. And there aren't many CEOs like Matt that I've met, if any, in all honesty. Um, so that's a little bit of a shout out to Matt there. But what about the CEOs? And I guess it makes your job slightly easier, Catherine, when you've got people so bought into well-being and so bought into the human element of our organizations. We know that's not necessarily the case in every organization. So for the listeners and on this podcast that have got senior leadership, they're trying to buy in. How do you get senior leadership buy in? I'm probably asking someone that's not that great because Matt's always had the buy in. But how would you go about it in, in a different organization? Yeah, great question. I was going to say my, my, my task has been very easy because not only Matt, but in fact, the entire wider board. I genuinely can't think of a time when I've gone into those board meetings and said, we need to do X. And have been told, no, we're not going to do that. There, there is this genuine desire that comes, not just from Matt and myself, but from the wider board to do the right thing. I think, though, you know, I have worked in organisations where that hasn't been the case. And I think, you know, let's leap it back to where we started, which is with the data. You know, there are those, you will get those leaders who believe in doing the right thing. But you'll also get those who will feel very much sort of bound by the views of the shareholders, the views of the wider group and things. One eye always on profitability of the organisation. And what's great with the data we hold is as HR practitioners, we need to be using that data to demonstrate how that data is going to drive. Actually, that what we what we want to do will drive those same out same outcomes by investing in our people. We will be more profitable. We will reduce attrition. We will reduce absence rates. We will have people who are more engaged with what we're trying to do. And ultimately, that all feeds straight to the bottom line. Now, I, I don't like to think that way because for me, it's about doing the right thing. That's why I try and do the job that I do. But if you've got a very cynical board or a very cynical leadership team. Bring the data. You, as, as HR, you're sat on more data than probably any other department out there, but we have to surface it in an easy to understand way. And then it becomes a no-brainer regardless of, of where your mindset is. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And Catherine, these podcasts are always too short. We need to extend it to the 14 minutes of Workplace Health podcast going forward. But thank you so much for, for sharing all of your insight. And I say all of your insight, just a, a microscopic <laughs> element of your insight. Um, but I'm sure it's been hugely useful to our listeners. Thank you, Catherine. No, thank you so much, Harry. I've taken so much away from that podcast, all of the data-driven insights that Catherine really uses to be able to drive well-being and engagement across the organisation. And quite frankly, it was just so open and honest from Catherine to say that sometimes you need to look in the mirror and, and not hear just the good things that employees are saying, but the slightly tougher things. And definitely the teaspoons, you need to sort that out, Catherine, within benefits. But thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Please click subscribe and give any feedback that you've got so we can make it better for you and people like you.